This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, y'all. Severance in heaven is back. We're brought to you by Sports Drink. Rookie mini camps have begun. Get ready for some narratives to be spun. Is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a. the biggest damned Omar Khan and Andy Weidel fan this side of the border. And joining me as always is AJ. When you don't have a QB, who you gonna call? Andrew Locke. Marchese. Can't tamper with a retired player, Rob. That's that's nonsense. Jim, sorry. Damn. It's not like you to be against Jim when he's doing no. mistakes. No, usually, you know, I support him, but not this time. Today we'll be breaking down the AFC North's 2023 NFL draft classes. Let's hit it. Seven. Seven. Seven rounds in heaven with my baby. Driving out to KC, maybe. Looking for Stroud or a Bryce Young. Who's going to wear a Hawaiian shirt today? Who's going to put ketchup on a stick? Who's going to find a steal? In the fifth, the home team. Let's go seven rounds. Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. Today's episode of Seven Rounds in Heaven is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Rising Tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Um, the AFC North, more like the AFC best. <laughs> that that rhymed. That was good work. Um, no bad draft classes in this group. What, what do you think, Rob? I think they're all bad except for the Steel City. <laughs> I think they're all good. Lots of good grades for me. I'm not going to be mean to anyone today, Rob. The AFC North is, I think, <laughs> the most interesting division in the NFL this season. And that is not my Pittsburgh Steeler bias. It's a combination of the quarterbacks within the division. Kenny Pickett, the, yeah. Yes. The strong drafts they all had. Um and the fact that AFC North football is just a little different. Well, I mean, starting with the Ravens, it's I, I think they're the most interesting in terms of like with all the Lamar Jackson drama coming to an end, obviously getting that deal done. You know, Todd Munkin coming in, Roman finally out. Roman's fallen, some may say Rob. Um uh, and obviously the first pick being Zay Flowers. I'm excited to see what that offense is going to look like. I think that that's definitely. I think that's the most interesting part in this division to me, Rob. Yeah, I mean, Todd Munkin, 
four years in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, three in Tampa, one in Cleveland, threw the football a lot more than Greg Roman ever has. Yeah. You're also, you've kind of completely revamped that wide receiver room, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hoping Rashad Bateman, former first-round pick, can be healthy. Uh, you're hoping Odell Beckham can be healthy because last time we saw him healthy, he was an impact player. Plus, Munkin had him in Cleveland the last time he had a 1,000-yard season. Um, and then, yeah, with your first-round pick, you, you use it on Zay Flowers. Who, you, you I, th- I like the way you put it. You kind of you said that Zay Flowers brings similar ability to the field as Hollywood Brown, but he can actually catch the football. Yeah, and has the yak ability that the Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's good in the open field, of course, but Zay's breaking tackles. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like they landed something in Zay that they've been trying to land for a while, and and they haven't. And I think it's going to hit here. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good mix where it gives them a, a downfield threat, and Zay, although small, is actually one of the better contested catch receivers in this class um yeah just because he has such great uh body control and his ball tracking ability is pretty impressive yeah uh so the that gives you a guy who can stretch the field like you said he's good with the ball in his hands he's an electric player after, after the catch he can line up in the slot he can line up out wide he can beat press um i know he's small but unlike some of these other smaller receivers we had him getting these reps against press coverage and winning because he's a deep release repertoire. Uh, well, he's not the same. I, I don't think he's as polished a route runner as say Jordan Addison or, or Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like the potential is there because his fluid movements, like he's so explosive. Um, and I just, yeah, they haven't really had this complete, uh, I feel like a complete, receiver before just that they've used first round capital on hollywood was a true speedster Mm -hmm. um who struggled with drops rashad bateman's just been injured he's not overly like rashad bateman i i find him to be more smooth than he is explosive yeah definitely um and so yeah inserting a player like zay into this offense while you've got tal monkin coming over you've got lamar all all signed up i'm i'm so excited i think zay flowers is in a better position than any of the other first-round rookie receivers to... not Like, I don't think he'll win Offensive Rookie of the Year, obviously, but if, if you end at the end... At year's end, if you're power-ranking the Offensive Rookie of the Year candidates, I think Zay has the best chance to be above the other receivers just because there is that kind of open hole to him being the wide receiver one where I feel like... It's not the case in any of the other first-round receiver situations. Yeah, there isn't. And, like, I'm not – there definitely is the opportunity there. I mean, if Bateman is back healthy, he could be. If OBJ is, you know, looking good and healthy. But th- that definitely is where the hole lies, right? Like, Zay is coming in with the capital behind him. I mean, I'm sure lots of people are always, like, hard – and maybe Ravens fans even. Like, it's hard to trust for uh, them drafting receivers and – it's probably hard to get get excited about a receiver coming to town, um, and I mean I'm sure we said the same thing about Rashad Bateman. We're like you know he's gonna he's gonna break the the curse or whatever, but I do think Zay will, and I think it's because you know the difference is it's a new offensive coordinator who I I very much believe in. I, I think that's gonna work. I'm really excited to see this new and improved, hopefully, Baltimore Ravens offense. Um, I was looking at some numbers the other day, and uh, Todd Munkin, in his four seasons as an offensive coordinator, 
Um, two of them included Mike Evans' most productive seasons in the NFL. The other one of them was OBG's last thousand yard season. Uh, three times he's had six, th- sorry, three plus six hundred plus pass catchers three of four seasons. It's a lot of numbers. And, yeah, I know. And the one season he didn't have three receivers over six hundred yards, he had two over a thousand. Um, and he's also had a season with four receivers over seven hundred yards. So, I just feel like it, there's a massive opportunity for Zay Flowers to step in, and immediate, immediately at least have wide receiver two level production, like seven hundred plus receiving yards, if he is everything I think he is. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just so excited to kind of watch him hopefully help unlock this passing attack because I yeah. think the potential is there just with Lamar's talent, Todd Munkin's play calling, and kind of revamping this receiver room. Um, should be fun. And it I think it was a great pick. It was. It was very much a great pick. And I think it kind of will start for him with like the underneath yak stuff that they haven't really, you know, like I guess Duvernay was the idea and he showed glimpses, but, you know, stuff like that. And then like just letting him go over the top. Um, then the intermediate stuff I think will develop with him, but I think this year I think that's, or at least early in the years, that's going to be the idea. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I I definitely believe in this pick too. Um, big safe Flyers and it, fan, and like it's great for Baltimore. They get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was the third receiver off the board, right? Like, yeah. That and the fact that I feel like he for them was the best fit, just given what they already have and what they were looking for. I, I thought it was nice that they didn't have to move up for him. They could sit and pick, and, like, he was still only ended up being the third receiver taken. Yeah. Um, and they didn't have a second-round pick. So they come back in the third round at 86, and they take Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson, who doesn't necessarily fill a, an immediate need, but they didn't pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. Patrick Queen's been very, very up and down. Um, so it feels like they've kind of cleared the way – to let him hit free agency, probably get paid more than he should, get a comp pick, and then Trenton Simpson steps in next to Roquan Smith. The thing they've been doing for you know twenty years now, yeah. Um, no, I love I love this pick as well. Getting him at eighty six, you know, I thought I had him like forty fifth on my board, and like compared to where other linebackers, like we talked about last episode, where where they went, um, I think this is a this is very very good value and a very good landing spot for Trenton Simpson as well. Um, He's not going to have to play a lot this year. Um, probably even like with with a couple injuries, he can sit still. Um, but yeah, with, between Queen and Roquan, he's not going to have to play a lot. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great landing spot. And like you said, a year from now, he's going to probably be the the de facto starter. And letting him just run and hit like he's built to do, and r- just play fast. Uh, it, it's a great landing spot for for Simpson. Yeah, you're you're sticking him theoretically. Well, for, theoretically, you're not playing him much as a rookie, mm-hmm. so he can develop. And like with him, it's obviously not the physical stuff. It it's the kind of improving the reading of the keys, improving your stack and shit, um, just putting yourself in position yeah. to make plays and not just kind of running and chasing everything. Yeah. And so he gets a year to learn this defense. Then in year two, you insert him next to one of the best linebackers in the NFL, one of the most instinctual linebackers in the NFL and Roquan Smith, who's going to be running your defense so that Trenton Simpson doesn't have that pressure on him either. Uh, it kind of, like, the vibes to me are similar, like, to a lesser degree, but similar to when Tampa inserted Devin White next to Levante David, right? And mm-hmm. Devin White, I feel like, is viewed as 
a far better player than he is just because the situation he was dropped into and the player he got to play beside. So I feel like that's best case scenario for Trenton Simpson. He could be this very super active linebacker who they blitz, who he's really good at spying. You're entering um, a, a division with tons of good quarterback play. Um, I think it's a really fun one. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. Um, no, I do too. And like you said, it's just smart team building in terms of like letting Queen walk, probably going to be overpaid, good comp pick. And then you've got this guy in the third round. You know, you've already had him. He's ready and waiting to go when uh, when Queen is gone, right? Yeah, I mean, like you just look at this Ravens roster and it's just I think the thing that sticks out to me is it's not with every position group, but they have so much depth within yeah. many of the position groups and like it's like last year they took david ajabo uh when he fell in the second round because of the injury and it's like he didn't have to play as a rookie yeah and now it's almost like he's a rookie this year you know what i mean and um you you look at you look at their offensive line they keep just taking offensive linemen they did that later in this this draft class too and it's just like you stockpile all this depth look at the running back room and I, I feel like they've done that with their off-ball linebackers. Like, Roquan and, and Trenton Simpson are, are maybe going to be the top two in two years. But, like, right now, it's like Trenton Simpson doesn't have to touch the field. Because mm-hmm. they also have Malik Harrison on this roster. They used to yep. third-round pick on. He hasn't lived up to it, but yeah. it's just, like, there's just so much depth everywhere. Yeah, they, um, they, they always have a succession plan. Like, it feels like at, so, at like everyone on the defensive side, at least in the offensive line, you know, they, it feels like they always just know. Um, and then in the fourth round, they take a uh, Canadian, mm-hmm. uh, 124th overall. They take Ole Miss uh, defensive lineman Tavius Robinson, who I think is a really good fit for this Mike McDonald defense because he he's this guy who, like, I think he's going to be labeled an edge rusher for them. He's 6'6", he's 265, looks like he's built in a lab, um, very good athlete. But at Ole Miss, he was playing a lot of that four eye, a lot of that five tech. Like he has that ability to play down a three man front or stand up and rush the passer as a power rusher. And like he doesn't have a ton of bend. He he he's like not gonna. I don't think blow anybody away with the, with like um, super big pass rush upside. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like that big, strong Marcus Davenport, AJ Epinesa type of edge rusher. That third edge rusher in the rotation plays really hard. Sets a strong edge and, and offers the defensive line versatility. And, yeah, that, that type of mold that the Ravens have got a lot of uh, production out of in years past, right? Like, maybe not some superstar or anything, but, um, yeah, definitely. I, and also, please, Ole Miss and the University of Guelph, you got you to gotta show some respect well, there. F- funnily enough, they've got a Canadian on the yeah. roster in Brent Urban, who I feel like is a similar yeah. – uh, style like Brent Urban a little bigger but similar yeah. style of player and Brent Urban before he initially left Baltimore had a had a pretty good run there as a rotational defensive lineman and I think you uh you get a similar style of player in Tavius Robinson yeah I think like obviously this is 124 it's just solid pick and obviously we're just happy for a fellow Canadian here um fifth round they go with a bloodlines pick 157 uh, and take Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford, who I think, like, I thought he was going to get overdrafted, mm-hmm. and then he ended up kind of getting underdrafted. I think underdrafted by a lot. I Like, I thought he I, was going to end up top 100. Oh, okay, I had him in the fourth round. I thought yeah. he'd go kind of early, mid-fourth round. They get him in the fifth round, and he's a guy who I think kind of 
what hurt him is he's not the the most sudden athlete. Mm-hmm. He he is kind of more technically sound than he is explosive. Um, not not doing a ton in press coverage, but Mike McDonald lets to play a lot of uh, zone coverage, and, and Caillou Blue Kelly's really good in zone coverage when he's got his eyes on the quarterback and he can lean on just his steady footwork and reacting. Um, I thought this was a really good pick. Yeah, I thought that was a really good value here. And I think, like, that's another guy where, like, you know, add him to the secondary. And a few years down the line, I wouldn't be shocked if he's playing, you know, starting some games for them. They just use picks on premium kind of positions. And that's how they stockpile this depth. And, like, corner's still definitely a need for them. They just signed mm-hmm. Rocky Sim, which I thought was a really – clever post-draft signing yeah um but like yeah like last year they took jalen armor davis right in mm-hmm. the fourth round it's like using these fourth and fifth round picks on defensive linemen defensive backs um it helps that depth and then in the sixth and seventh round they add to the offensive line and they get uh two guys who i thought aren't like world beaters in terms of talent but really just fit i think the kind of gritty yeah. MFR style of <laughs> offensive lineman Baltimore seems to like. Yeah. Um they they took Malasala fuck Mal Asala Almuva Lalu from Oregon who played right tackle at Oregon. We saw him work at guard during the East West Shrine Bowl. He's six six, like three twenty, people mover. Um I thought I, I had a high end UDFA grade on him, but uh one ninety nine, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because at 229, they take Andrew Voorhees in the seventh round, who tore his ACL at the combine. I think he would have probably been more like a, what, fourth, fifth round pick had that not happened? I, I think at least a fourth round pick, yeah. Like, I, I think I had a, what, a fifth round grade on him? Um, and he's this is, like, a, a very good fit for him mm-hmm. where he's just this big, powerful, run-blocking guard who is not the most fluid athlete, but he's one of the guys who had like the most pancakes on tape and sticking these massive guards beside the undersized yet super talented Tyler Linderbaum mm-hmm. is very Philadelphia Eagles like. Yeah. And I mean, it just fits what they have done at guard for a long time as well. Right. Like they, they keep taking these big guards. Some have worked out some haven't. Um, but yeah, I think like in the seventh round um, taking the, the swing on Voorhees you know, with with the injury, I think that's still really good value because, like you said, would have gone a lot earlier if he hadn't gotten hurt. And great fit for just a big run mauling uh, offensive lineman who, like you know, like you said, is stiff, isn't going to move the best. But yeah, I think I think, <laughs> I think he's got the goods to stick around on the roster for a while for a seventh round pick. So would you end up giving them? Give them an A minus. I think just a very strong class overall. A very Ravens draft. It is a very Ravens draft. They didn't have a whole lot of, you know, they only had two top 100 picks, and only one of them was in the top 80, right? But I give them a B plus. Yeah, I just think they did really strong, really well for what they had. Um, moving to a team that had, I, I feel like a lot of directions they could have gone, even yeah. though they're an AFC champion contending level team the Cincinnati Bengals I feel like they came away kind of surprising a lot of people that they focused so much on defense in the first three rounds and that started by to me just taking the best player available basically at 28 and they take Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy who completely fits the mold of what they like in an edge rusher <laughs> yeah he does and I mean 
like you just alluded to, obviously AFC champion potential, Super Bowl potential. It's always just smart to, to bulk up on the defensive front, right? And especially when you're not overdrafting a guy, you know, I thought he could have went, you know, I had him 22nd, this is 28. Wasn't my and, actual best player available, but like up there, absolutely. And it's high, high among the highest upside, yeah, or high. Well, to me, actually, a high floor player where it's like he's not amazing at any specific thing, he's just 6'6, six, six, he's 270. He's got a good first step. He generates power really well. He plays like a madman. He sits a mean edge. Like I, which it sounds like I'm just kind of describing a combination of Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. <laughs> yeah. Like, but he's a 21 year old version of that who has a little more, I think, upside than um, Joseph Asai, just because of that build and that length and that explosiveness. I think Asai is actually a better true pass rusher yeah but my, like they they drafted for example they drafted joseph Asai in the third round when it wasn't totally a need you saw him contribute in year two he's poised to probably be a starter in a year or two and, and same deal for miles murphy he's i think eventually gonna take the the trey hendrickson spot and he's only 21 and man i like this pick yeah and this year like he can get into the rotation a bit but it's not gonna be a whole lot on him uh, but no, like there, there is a bit of a, like, like a clear path to him getting like you know, uh, reps too. Because like I mean, solid, solid group of edges. But I think adding another guy um, wasn't needed. And like you said, it just feels like he's going to be, a, like he's another you know succession plan where he'll be a starter in um, a couple years. Um, yeah, it was a good pick, uh, and it wasn't really a team like you know, we saw them have so many possibilities, um, you know, via mock drafts and stuff. But um, they end up like. Going all defense in the top 100 at least, right? And yeah, I, I also feel like like Miles Murphy. Now he didn't do it a ton, but he played a little bit inside at Clemson. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, like to to me, he's just a little bit stiff. But outside of that, like he's a very complete edge player. Maybe he's never going to be a 12 sack guy, but he can be that six to eight sack guy who's a very impactful run defender. Yeah, who's got all this length and, and explosiveness and can create speed to power, like. I, I think best case he becomes like what Montez Sweat has become, which is a very good NFL football yeah, player. Yeah, Sweat had a hell of a year last year. Yep. Um, in the second round, though, I, it felt like another one where it's like if it, it's a succession plan pick, maybe a little bit more of a need, but also probably mm-hmm. the best one of the best players available yep. in Michigan corner, DJ Turner. Yeah, I, I thought he would go a little bit higher than he ended up. I, I mean, I was a big fan of his. I, I had him, what, 27 on my board. This is pick 60, so I like the value a lot. And, yeah, I think, you know, they they can definitely have added into the secondary, and he can come in and – I don't know how much he's going to have to play year one or anything, but – No, I'm interested to see how – kind of how they deploy him, how they p- deploy fellow Michigan alum Dax mm-hmm. Hill, who they used a first-round pick on last year, like – Dax Hill was at his best at Michigan more as a nickel. Yeah. Um, but obviously they let Jesse Bates walk to Atlanta in free agency. So is Dax Hill going to be playing more of that off-safety role? Uh, is DJ Turner a guy they see as a nickel? Because they still have Mike Hilton on the roster, who's kind of one of the the most impactful nickels in the, in the NFL right now. Um, I think DJ Turner can play on the outside. I yeah. think he fell because of that size, and maybe not everyone believed in that. But I think he can be that type of like a Dory Jackson outside corner where he lacks some length, but he has this feistiness to them yeah. to him that like 
helps him overcome that. Like he is a very he's shockingly physical press man corner for being 5'11", 178. And then um, you add in the pure athleticism with, the, with yeah. the 40 time and all of that. Like, yeah, he's a hell of an athlete. I think he's just a really solid technician. Yeah, I, like I think the only reason he went 60th was because he was undersized and maybe some teams didn't know if he was a full-time nickel or was going to get a look outside. And I agree with you. I think he can definitely get a look outside first. Like, like it's funny. I think he has um... – in in this this is a loaded corner class. I, I'm sure that that yeah. didn't help him either. Uh, and I feel like because he is smaller, like it, it's just another question. But I feel like he has a higher floor than a lot of the corners who went above him. Me too. Um, or a lot of the corners who went in, in day two. Like a lot of them felt like bigger swings. Where it's despite DJ Turner being the four two six forty guy, he felt safer. Just because he like you like you said, technician really I thought really loose hips. Um really solid and patient and press man coverage. And then you just throw in the athleticism and I think it, the ball skills are the the big question mark and that kinda has to do with the lack of length, but everything is there and this is a great spot for him to land. Yeah, like I think like you know, Julius Brands and Tyree Stevenson went above him and I think that's only due to them being, you know, very well built corners. Um, I think pound for pound, football player wise, DJ Turner's a better uh, defensive back than either of them. Um, no, I think this is a really, really good pick for the Bengals again. Um, I'm I'm interested too because like Cam Taylor Britt had an up and down rookie year, but he played yeah. a ton. Yeah. And Ch- uh, Cheeto Awuzie's coming back off injury, so are those your two outside corners? Mike Hilton's at, at nickel. Um, your back end is. Dax Hill, Nick Scott, but then next year or the year after, is that when DJ Turner takes over, whether it be nickel or outside? Mm-hmm. And their third round pick, 95th overall, Alabama safety, Jordan Battle, does he step in for, for Nick Scott in a year? Yeah, and I mean, with, with Battle, you're just getting a really solid, you know, solid closer to the line of scrimmage style of safety, where like this is like exactly where I had him on the board. Like he's, um, to me, that. They let Von Bell walk, yeah. and this is the Von Bell succession plan. Nick Scott's kind of the placeholder. Yeah, exactly. Where, like, I don't think Battle's going to ever be, like, some high, super high ceiling type of uh, safety or anything, but just a guy, like like you said, Von Bell, like, where he's going to play around the line of scrimmage, um, make a lot of tackles, and just be solid. Like, make up for the athleticism by just putting himself in the right position because yeah. he's great instincts. Yeah. He's not a bad athlete. Per se, he's just not very sudden. Uh, he has some, like, okay speed, but just, yeah, not super sudden, not super explosive, but clean feet, rarely takes a false step. When his eyes are on the quarterback, he's very good mm-hmm. uh, uh, with his cover instincts. Um, and then he's just a great tackler. He's great in the box. He's like Taylor Rapp, Von Bell, can be that two-deep safety, can come into the box, um, the, the, at Alabama, they even asked him to play a little bit of single high, a little bit of nickel. You're, you're not going to ask him to do that, but it's nice to know he's done that. Um, just very high floor, low ceiling player who a Super Bowl contender like this at a position like safety, like this, this is, this is ideal. And played like, a, he played a, played a lot of specials at Bama too. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he doesn't need to be a superstar. He just no. needs to be a solid NFL starter. Because there's so much talent on this team already. Yeah, it's more of a pickler, like, he's not going to lose you a game, you know what I mean? Like, where if you ever need him to step up, he's... Like, even as a rookie, I don't think he'll ever be a, a liability, right? I also I also want to note, with those first three picks, Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, and Jordan Battle are all 
are all either known for high football character or for playing extremely hard. Well, they're known for being at big schools, which is the only thing the Bengals scout. Whoa, I didn't know Purdue earned the big school crown well, from you. You know, we know that's just close. It's close by. Yeah, can, can we note they drafted um, four Big Ten players? Of course they did. What else are they going to do, man? Come on. Uh, second among them from Purdue, fourth-round pick. Uh, Purdue receiver Charlie Jones, who I think this is a fun pick. It's a guy who's going to immediately help uh, in the return game if you want him there. Yeah. Um, one of the best return men in the class. And in terms of being a receiver, he fits the profile of a solid NFL slot receiver, really good ball skills, solid route runner, tested really well and can stretch the field a little bit, very good at finding holes in zone and just being a true chain mover. Um, like low-end Braxton Berrios, high-end like Eddie Royal. <laughs> Sick. the best comps ever um <laughs> yeah clearly this is hoping to be the eventual tyler boyd replacement um not sure if he's ever going to reach that level of player but um at the very worst you know like it's not like receiver was a screaming need for the Bengals, obviously but it feels like they've never found that solid wide receiver four and i think charlie jones Irwin. sorry Trent Irwin's pretty good he's okay but charlie jones is better i think he can step in and, and kind of take that spot and a guy who can, like I said, he was a what twenty twenty one at Iowa All American yep. return man. Yep. Um, just he he had a kick and punt return touchdown in his collegiate career. Um, plus he played at Buffalo, Iowa, and Purdue. Like that's just to me, that's pretty impressive. Just that alone, like nothing else there. Just that's impressive to me. Absolutely. Um, fifth round another Canadian, they take Illinois running back Chase Brown. So they kind of push off all this. Will the Bengals take a running back early? Like, will they trade up for Jameer Gibbs? Will they use their second-round pick on Zach Charbonnet? No, it sounds like Joe Mixon is going to be back. Um, it sounds like Trivium Williams might have a bit of an increased role with uh, Samaje P. Ryan gone. Yep. But Chase Brown brings some juice to the backfield, too, in the fifth round. Yeah, I mean, could Chase Brown not just take the running back two role as well? You know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Brown is, like, a really, really solid fit and a really good pick here at this point of the draft. I I can see Brown being a really solid contributor. Um, I can see him end up being the, the running back, too. If, if I think... Again, it all is going to be dependent on pass protection for him because yes. that's what yeah. made Samaj P. Ryan such an important piece is he'd pick up the tough yards, he could catch the football, and he could pass protect. Yeah. Um, Chase Brown, my comp coming out was Jerick McKinnon who came from a triple option offense where he barely caught the football. And what has made Jerick McKinnon such a worthwhile piece in the NFL was his ability to impact in the passing game. So if Chase Brown can kind of develop that a little more, we saw flashes of it at Illinois, but Illinois ran this like, really old school just pounded up the game yeah, type did, of offense and you saw you got to see chase brown a ton with that one cut and hit it explosiveness but if he can develop as a third down back like that's gonna mm-hmm. make like do so much for him and like chris evans feels like he's had that potential but never really stepped up into it no i i like williams has got some some goods obviously too but i think after mixing there's there's an opportunity um, and I mean, great, like to me, great. This is exactly the round Chase Brown should go in, uh, yep. if not a little earlier. 
Um, super high upside because of that athleticism. Gets the London Ontario bump. Was one of the most protective running backs in, in college football this past season too. And I, I just think adding that type of home run hitting ability in the fifth round of mm-hmm. running back, even if he ends up being your third back, like that that makes him more worthwhile um yeah to this team. Yeah, definitely. I think you either like you know adding as a backup back, you either have to have, you know, the hands, uh, hopefully that comes with the pass protecting skills, the home run ability, um, or or the tough yardage ability, right? And Chase Brown's got uh one of that and maybe two of that down, right? Uh and then in the sixth round, they take another super freak athlete, um, the decathlon king, Andre Yoshivas from Princeton. Who, to like, very much a complete project at receiver, um, but that speed is really interesting. I I think he's a guy who needs probably gonna need a year on the practice squad perhaps. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because this receiver room, mm-hmm. especially adding uh, Charlie Jones early, like there's no need to rush him onto this roster. They've they've got uh, with with the big three in Trent Irwin and Charlie Jones, like they've got five receivers who are going to be in this team, plus Stanley Morgan and Trent Taylor who have made this team because of their special teams ability. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is a worthwhile swing at 206. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I don't know if Yoshivas will ever turn into like a guy that's actually getting on the field too much in the NFL, but the athleticism is there, the size is there. Um, and, and like you watch the tape and it's like he makes the hard stuff <laughs> – like the the weird like tough contested yeah. catches stretch the field and then like he just really struggles with the easy stuff like the right running's kind of not good and the drops but i mean if you can work on that and i mean special teams upside with that size and athleticism exactly um sixth round speaking of special teams upside, yeah uh, they take michigan punter brad robbins punter wasn't one of their few issues last year uh they, they ended up um, with Drew Christman at the end of the year, the Ohio State punter. Now he has to compete with a Michigan punter. It's perfect. Um, give us your – you're the Michigan fan. What would Brad Robbins do? Oh, I didn't see him punt too much, Rob. <laughs> no. Brad uh, Robbins is here uh, over 40 <laughs> punts the last two years, so that's not true. Um, only when they weren't in uh, field goal range, which was which was most of the field. Um We'll get more moody talk later, but um, yeah, Brad Robinson's a good punter. Like, I think they come in and uh, he's, he wins the job over Crispin. He looks like a punter. He's he looks bald, like punter. Bald yeah. and has a beard at twenty three, like full beard. Damn, good, great pick. Great pick. Um, now, can can we take a minute here and, and just Kevin Huber's career as the Bengals punter? That, that is something that is not talked about enough. The man was. Born and raised in Cincinnati, played high school football in Cincinnati, punted at the University of Cincinnati, then was the Bengals punter for over a decade, and uh, they did him dirty, and he, uh, what, played like nine games this year and got cut? I don't know. That's fucking true. I, I think, like, he, there's no one that's ever been born in Cincinnati that's had, had a better life, in my opinion. I think that's the dream life in Cincinnati. Because yeah, he is never leaving Cincinnati. Who would want to? He's the franchise record for games played. That's that is so fucking dirty that they cut him mid season. Come, come on, like you know, like mostly, mostly like the young special teamers they got, you know, the, the ones that got drafted. Like you know, Robbie Gold's gonna go out with respect, you know, like what I mean, you know what I mean, like 
Ah, that's, that's disgusting. Rob, Robbie Gold's uh, going to probably be, have to be someone's kicker this year. Yeah, he will. <laughs> I'm sure he will be. <laughs> uh, okay, and their final pick, they use it on Miami corner DJ Ivy. Um, uh, again, just ta- taking guys who have special teams potential at important positions, big, long corner, um, had some highlight real plays on the ball and tape. Fine. Great. Perfect. Sure. You need defensive backs. Yeah. It's just good to have warm bodies in the room. Yeah, definitely. It's 246. It's a good pick. Um, I ended up giving them an A minus. I did too. I think it was a good haul for the Bengals. Um obviously it wasn't a team with glaring needs, but they shored up the right spots, I felt. You know? Yeah, I, I, I feel like they, they went best player available and set themselves up so that they don't need to overdraft guys next year yeah. at positions that will be of need. They also add position deed in, in corner with DJ Turner, who yeah. great value at 60. Um, they improve the return game, potentially with Charlie Jones, add some juice to the receiver and running back room with Chase Brown and Yoshivas. They needed a punter. Great. <laughs> like they didn't take the, I, I think the, the two things that is they didn't take a running back early like some people thought and they didn't take a tight end so tight end remains like a, a little yeah. bit up in the air because they they theoretically they've invested in the offensive line again through free agency so that that's cool but when you look at the roster defensive back is a little concerning but they use some draft capital on it and then tight end and their tight end room right now is drew sample irv smith the ass man uh, Tanner Hudson and, and Nick Bowers. All aboard the the Irv Smith hype train. I mean, uh, Irv Smith could be one of like the surprise uh, comeback still, player of the year. He's, he's only twenty four right now. Yeah, I mean, as an Irv Smith stan, it gets me excited that they didn't take a tight end. Um, but it probably would have been wise to to get one of those. But do OJ Howard and Irv Smith just have like so much goodwill because they could be good and they played at Alabama. Oh, Irv, Irv's gonna be good. Great spot well, there. Drew Sampson. Really um, he'll, he'll outplay him for sure. Okay, moving on to the Cleveland Browns, who didn't have a first or a second round pick um, because of the nasty man trade. Uh, but I thought overall, really came away with some good football players. Yeah. Who can help them now, which is important. Yeah, they, they kind of, it feels like Kevin Stefanski and. And Andrew Barry, like, they've tied so much to Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well in year one. Obviously, he was suspended. And if, like, they really need him to get back on track this year, and they really need to at least be competing for the wild card. Yeah, they do. And, I mean, Watson hasn't showed anything. So, But they're, they're, this is a great draft for the next regime, Rob, so that's all good. Um, I mean, they, they only had two picks in the top 110, and they got um, one, two, three, four five players in my top 110. That's pretty damn impressive. I know my board doesn't mean everything, Rob, but uh, it does. So, Yeah, it feels like a lot of the time uh, when they make a pick, you'd be like, why didn't that guy go earlier? Um, and yeah. it, it's funny. I felt that way about their their uh, two fourth-round picks, one of their fifth-round picks and one of their sixth-round picks. Not necessarily about their third-round picks. I thought they, they took two guys who made sense there. Yep. Um, and that starts with uh, receiver Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, who, in a class that really lacked size at the receiver position and lacked those true ball-winning X receivers, I thought he would get overdrafted. Mm-hmm. Me he too. didn't. Um, and I, I, I think he's 
they've done a really good job just trying to make sure this receiver room's improved. Trade for Elijah Moore. They, uh, they uh, obviously, year before they trade for Amari Cooper. They signed um, Marquise Goodwin. They've uh, they drafted David Bell in the third round last mm-hmm. year, and that didn't really work out. So hopefully Cedric Tillman gives them a little more. But they, you look at the receiver room; it's a bunch of different flavors of guys. Yeah. We talked about it last episode. You want to build a receiver room like a basketball team. They needed that true kind of ball winning X receiver who's six three, and they get that in Tillman. Yeah, and you feel like they have to um, like carve out a good room with this. Like, and you you feel to mention mention uh, the best of them all, Donovan Peoples Jones. You know what I mean? He's shown quite a bit. Um, like, and adding Tillman to this group, obviously Elijah Moore, who I'm. Really hoping steps it up there because we love them. But I like I like this. This is like you said, you're building the basketball team. You got this, you know, this big playmaker who I think who like I had him 79. This is 74. So this is about where I had him. But if he didn't get hurt, I, I think he would have been a, a second round pick. And I still like like why did Rasheed Rice go over Cedric Tillman? And like you said, there's a lot of slot guys in this class. It, it was really weird. I think it, without the injury, he he was a second round pick. Um, hell, he could have. Maybe even snuck into the end of the first, but maybe that's a little rich. So I think this is a great pick for the Browns, who just keep adding to the to the wide receiver room to help out the nasty man. Um, I think that's just that's what you got to do. Yeah, and Tillman's a guy who he's coming from that fake Tennessee offense, but yeah. it for him it wasn't set up the same way it was with Jalen Hyatt. Like he he I think has a lot more right running potential than Jalen Hyatt. You saw it a little more on tape. Um, he, you saw him deal with press a little bit more on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the fact that he he has this like kind of extra gear when the ball's in the air. He yeah. tracks the ball really well. He's fantastic in contested catch situations. Um, just kind of gives him a, a downfield ball winner, which they needed. Tell me can could end up being kind of like the steal in this receiver class, I feel he, like. He, he's also, they want to run the ball. He's a really good blocker. Yeah, that's true. If it wasn't for Watson, I think I'd be more, uh, more excited about Cedric Tillman. Um, hey, it's not Tillman's fault. Um, no, it's not. At 98, they go and they get... uh their, their run defense was terrible last year. They're basically, their defensive line was nothing outside of Miles Garrett. Um, so this offseason, they signed Alvin Tomlinson. And they draft Siaki Aika at 98, who's a true nose tackle, run stuffer. Not going to... Not, not much of an athlete, not going to do a ton outside of rundowns, but a guy who plays with really good leverage, really good pop in his hands, can truly absorb space and just hold the point down to the linebacker's point. Exactly, and I think that's what they needed. And a guy that's just going to eat space in the middle, I think, uh, you know, you slide him next to Delvin Tomlinson, you know, he plays first down, second down. Playing two nose tackles? Of course. They got the beef, baby. Yeah, so I I, I think it's nice that they have Delvin Tomlinson there, so Ike's not rushed into playing that much. Um, And they can, like, Tommy Togia has been absolutely nothing for this team. Yeah, that was a miss. I, I feel like I feel like people forgot that he was drafted. Yeah. Um, but Jordan Elliott's had his flashes. I feel like Jordan Elliott's gonna be that three tag period. Winfrey just got arrested again, so that's probably done. Yeah. Um, what a toxic franchise. Um, but I Ika steps into a position where I think he could play like twenty snaps a game mm-hmm. at most as a rookie on rundowns and just be his most impactful in short clips like that. Yeah, I think that's what the role is going to be. I, But I like it. That's a good pick at 98. I liked him. I think I liked him a bit more. I think this is about where you had him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good pick. Like, it, th- those were the picks, like, whatever. But it, to me, it's this, this fourth round combo that really 
did it for this class. Yeah. At 111, they get Dewan Jones, the Ohio State right tackle, who, a little bit polarizing, just a massive human being at 6'8", 374, some concerns about the weight. Um, as, a, as a junior, the tape was a little inconsistent, really stepped it up as a senior, looked a lot better in pass protection, uh, just a big people mover, really, really strong player, but when you're that big, like, the feet and the bend can be a little inconsistent. So it can also like, mean a lot less, though. Yeah, it, it it's like not the prettiest tape at times, but like it's also hard to run around a man that big that long. Yeah, it uh, to beat him, it's like you got to counter him inside. Like he has Trent Brown potential, right? And yep. He there was talk he could go in the first round, and then talk he would go at the top of the of day two, and he falls all the way to one eleven. And I don't know if there's a better team for him to reach his full potential than the team um, that employs Bill Callahan as its offensive line coach. Yeah, I think there's this, and like apparently the reason he fell is because he he didn't that, do great that, at interviews and yeah he liked he basketball. But you know what? Like the stuff I've seen because I've read a couple things about you know the interviews, it feels very like there isn't like you know he, there isn't doesn't like there's one thing that all teams agree on is why they didn't. So I, I feel like it's kind of bullshit. I also feel like the, the, the Senior Bowl thing did rub people the wrong way. It sounds bit, like right? it, like, yeah. Like, he had that phenomenal day one of practice, and he kind of, like, disappeared, shut it down for the week, and, like, people didn't like that. I wouldn't be surprised if that bothered Jim Nagy, and Jim Nagy... Spread shit. Yeah. Um, wouldn't put it past old Jim. But... Um, well, that's why we love him. Right? Exactly. He Senior Bowl above all else. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he, he goes to a team that wants to run the football that uh, has a right tackle in place in Jack Conklin, who um, maybe it maybe doesn't have more than, uh, I don't know, two more years there. I know they extended yeah. him, but it, it feels like maybe DeJuan Jones could be that right tackle of the future, get a couple of years being coached by Bill Callahan. It could all really come together for him. I think it will. I, I, I would bet on him hitting here. It's a great spot, like you said. And then at 126, they get one of my favorite players in the draft, who I I had him like obnoxiously high in my rankings, like maybe 80. Um, Missouri edge rusher Isaiah McGuire, who's another guy who he falls to Cleveland, and it's a great spot for him because they've struggled to find that edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett. They've just had um, freaking J.D. Clowney come in the last two years, and obviously yeah. that blew up in their face a little bit last year. Uh they signed Obo Okoronkwo uh, this offseason, but he is more of that kind of situational pass rusher. Yeah. So get it. Like, I, I like the thought of maybe not immediately, but like Isaiah McGuire and Okoronkwo pairing together as the edge opposite Miles yeah. Garrett. Um, McGuire, really heavy handed pass rusher. It's a really good pass rush plan. He's not the great explosive bendy athlete, um, but again, just uses his hands really well. You see all kinds of moves on tape, like um, club club rip, uh, club or chop. Oh my gosh, I'm getting all, all mixed up. Double swipes. You see chops. You see uh, uh, speed to power. He, mm-hmm. he really generates speed to power quite well. Um, and a guy who played inside too. So I, I thought this was a really good pick. That made a lot of sense. And at worst, if he becomes your, your third or fourth edge rusher, like in the fourth round, that's fine. It's kind of funny. I thought he had a Agba 
kind of ceiling to him. Um, young guy too. At that, only uh, twenty one hasn't turned twenty two yet. Yeah, I agree. It just uses his hands so well, and I like I had him like like one oh eight. So this is even obviously wasn't as high as you, but like still very good like um, value here and like. Like I think, like he's got to have to develop a bit in the in the run, but um, like you said, so I don't think it's gonna be like immediately. But I think that him and Obo um, down the road would be very very good complementary pieces to both each other and opposite of uh, Miles Garrett. I, I like this pick a lot. And they used the seven or seventy eighth pick on Alex Wright last year, who's kind of a yeah. similar mole, big powerful guy. Um, so I I feel like they're just really trying to figure out that edge. Opposite, uh, Eventually, you're going to have to, right? Yeah. Uh, fifth round, 140. They take Cedric Tillman's high school teammate from Bishop Gorman, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, and I mean, compared to our other quarterbacks that we haven't talked about yet got selected, um, and like the, the fit here, I love I love this pick of DTR, honestly. Yeah, and I think th- This is the only pick I saw Browns fans unhappy about. I think it's like, you know, like every other pick is like, I mean, every other pick they made is like either right where I had them or like really great value. And obviously I had like DTR a little bit lower, but I think he was going to go in the fifth round. And I think when Sean Clifford's going in the fifth round uh, and you're getting a guy that is just a, like, you know, a perfect um, backup to Deshaun Watson. And a guy that I think we both thought like had developmental, like starting potential, not necessarily going to hit it. Don't put that on me. I don't. I don't think he's developmental starter. Potential, like there's develop. I don't think I he's think going. He, I think he'd be a high end number two, like a Tyler Huntley like quarterback. Yeah, who, like, well, started. Pro Bowler actually. Exactly. There you go. So you're arguing against yourself now, buddy. Um, um but the, this is also a team that like, yes, they have Josh Dobbs who had his moments coming off the streets for the Titans last yeah. year, and Kellen Mond, but like. There's no clear like safe QB two on this roster right now, so why not? Especially like you said, the quarterbacks were going then. Like if they didn't take him now, he wasn't gonna be there. Well, maybe at one forty two. Well, yeah, but he wouldn't have been there at one ninety. What's the difference? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And if you don't like it, just flip him and Luke Whitebler, and it makes sense. Um, yeah. And he, like you said, he's a, he's a guy who's got the arm strength. He's got the athleticism. A guy who only played quarterback his senior year of high school. He's like still relatively new to it, even though he's a five-year starter in the Pac-12. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think he checks all the boxes, especially with like the football character and the leadership. Checks all the boxes for what I want in a number two quarterback. Me too. And like by developmental starter potential, I mean like no one else in this range has that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying he's going to ever become a starter. I'm just saying. Uh, Jaron Hall, people really like Jaron Hall. I know they do. And I I like Jaron Hall, but I think DTR is a better player. Um, well, Sean Clifford is better. Every every pick is going to every quarterback pick is going to look better with Sean Clifford in context. Sean um, Clifford played 6 years at Penn State. That's a lot. But like, I don't know. I could see DTR like end up having to start with this Browns team way earlier than he should, but I could see him become like you said, Tyler Huntley's a good one where Came in and made the Pro Bowl as a, as a backup. Uh, okay, well, that wasn't a real Pro Bowl, but Tyler Huntley, fun fun backup be, quarterback. Be nice to Tyler Huntley. Come on. 
he shouldn't have made the Pro Bowl. No, of but course he did. not. But, but he, he won did. The Pro Bowl skills challenge. So it's like at the same time, maybe he should have been there. I don't know. Um, other fifth round pick, one forty two. They took Northwestern corner Cameron Mitchell, reunited him with his best buddy Greg Newsom. They're just taking best buddies. I love it. You gotta love that. Um, Cameron Mitchell is not a flashy prospect, but I thought he was much better than where he uh, was actually selected. Yes. He, I, I remind me a little bit of Byron Murphy, just like, like again, not super physical, not super explosive, more of a zone corner, but I thought he had really good ball skills. He's always disrupting catch points, always locating the ball in phase. Um, good combo of fluid hips and clean mm-hmm. feet, like decent tackler, willing tackler. Like I he thought sh- he, he would have gone much higher. Yeah, I thought like I had a top one like he was like ninety six on my board. I wasn't sure if he was going to go that high, but I thought for sure he wouldn't get out of the top 120 picks. Yeah, him and Caillou Blue both falling kind of yeah. surprised me, but they both similar in that they're more technicians than they are explosive, and they're more off zone guys than they are like press man guys. So maybe that's why. But I yeah. like yeah. Um, so I thought I thought good pick because not only does this make Greg Newsom happy, but he's a good football player. Yeah. Um, they they got a ton out of Martin Emerson as a rookie. He looks like a dude. They have Denzel Ward opposite him. Greg Newsom at nickel. Like Cam Mitchell's good depth ab with high upside. I think at this point. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And finally, sixth round, one hundred ninety. Again, an Ohio State offensive lineman falls, and like it sucks for them that they fall. But he falls to a, Luke Weipler falls to a great fit in terms of what he brings to the table as a zone scheme center. Like he's very good. at in space he gets to be coached by bill callahan i always thought the luke like there was a weird luke white player hype i thought he was a fourth round type of guy mm-hmm. there was like weird first round stuff at the I times but was. i thought he was but, like an early fourth round guy yeah yeah exactly a little undersized but again moves really well plays good leverage needs to get stronger at the point of attack but reaches linebackers well um a, a team that I, he could turn into a starter and well yeah like i i feel like like Ethan Posick came off the bench this year for them and had a great year gets mm-hmm. contract extension because it's a great scheme fit for him. Yeah, and he's a great offensive line coach at Bill Callahan. Um, Who's the offensive line th- coach in Cleveland? Bill Callahan. I didn't oh, okay. realize you were doing a joke. I got confused. I thought I was saying Brian Callahan because he's the Bengals OC. And I I was saying <laughs> no, name. you just said Bill Callahan like four times. So. <sighs> It's Andy Hack, it's Jeff Stellar, and it's Bill Callahan, the three best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Um, but yeah, again, like really good scheme fit for them. Yeah, no, but definitely, and like yeah, Postic is good, but like I, like a couple years down the road, like before the end of his rookie contract, I can definitely see Wipler being the starting center uh, for this team. I I don't do you know? Do, have you heard of why he felt like he did? Is it just because he's not as good as ever? Like I don't know. Like still, he's way better than pick one ninety. Yeah, no, I it's a it's a good point. I don't know why he fell. I, I get like he's small, but it's not like he's absurdly small. He's still we've seen smaller centers go earlier. Yeah, um, we we saw lots of centers go earlier than they should have in this draft. So it's kind of oh yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, you're just basing all your quarterback takes off where Sean Clifford went, and all your center takes off where Juice Scruggs exactly. went. Exactly, that's all I'm doing. Uh, so what'd you end up giving the Browns? I give them a, a solid A, Rob. Me too. Me too. Uh, you'll notice I'm. Uh, it's been uh, in ascending order: B plus, A minus, A. And now we're on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what could it be? F from the Steelers. Yeah. Um, Omar Khan, Andy Waddle's first draft as the GM and assistant GM. 
Uh, Khan obviously internally promoted when Kevin Colbert uh, retired. Andy Weidel comes over as assistant GM from Philadelphia Eagles, where he had been setting the Eagles draft board, doing the same thing in Pittsburgh. Ultimately, Omar Khan has final call, but it's it's Weidel's draft board, and I like Weidel's draft board because first round, they trade up. They trade up with New England. They get Broderick Jones. They get the left tackle they so desired. Um, and one of the highest upside mm-hmm. players, I think, in the first round just – in terms of how young he is, how athletic he is. He didn't play a ton at Georgia until this year, um, but could be a very devastating run block, really good in space. Just needs to kind of improve his feet and his hands and in, in pass protection. And I think there's there's some probable potential here. In a class, you know, with so few, um, like, real starting high-end offensive tackle potential, um, and with so few first-round uh, grades, I think very, very wise move to trade up and secure Roger Jones. Um, agree, where, like, just the run-blocking potential, like we've talked about many times, just how, what what he can do on the move is devastating. And, like you said, didn't play a whole ton at, at Georgia, but he has the potential to become, a, you know, your franchise tackle. And even if he isn't, you know, that high-end, I think he's going to become a very, very solid uh, starting offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, and I appreciate how much they've invested in the offensive line, and they did it with the interior offensive line more so than yep. the tackles. And obviously they've been starting Dan Moore, who was a fourth-round pick in 2021, the last two years at left tackle. So it's nice, and, and obviously they need to upgrade there, but it's nice that like Project Jones isn't necessarily being thrown in and handed that first-string job. Like If it takes some time, they don't have to rush him into there because they've survived with Dan Moore out there. Um but they've kind of rebuilt this offensive line with size and, and nastiness. And Broderick Jones is just such a big, nasty run blocker, yeah. uh, a true pancake king. Like, he looks to kill guys in space. I just – I love that fit and just kind of – the it feels like they're moving more towards this physical running game. Yeah, which I think is like the direction they kind of should have been uh, leading this shit for a while, right? Uh, well, they've got a franchise quarterback, so and franchise running back too. So, Jalen yeah, Jalen Warren. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then at thirty-two, which was a second-round pick, but poor Joey Porter Jr. doesn't get to pretend he was a first-round pick. Um, they get a guy who a lot of people thought they would take at seventeen, and tackle and corner were clearly their two biggest needs, and it felt like no matter what, they were going to take one of those positions in the first round and just hope. They could get the best guy at the other position uh, with the, this pick, and and they do. And jo- Joey Porter Jr. gives them this big physical press corner that it feels like they haven't consistently had in Pittsburgh in a while. Um, and I mean, we love bloodlines in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they can't and, help and, themselves, but this is a great and, pick. And yeah. like Joey Porter Jr. is a little bit raw. Like we we've talked about the penalties and yeah kind of being a little bit too grabby and kind of cleaning up that footwork. He doesn't necessarily have to step in and be corner one. Like, they signed Patrick Peterson. Um, they they have uh, on the roster, they, they signed Levi Wallace last year. Kill Witherspoon's played a lot. Like, they have a lot of corners that they've been playing. And then the Hall of Fame mentor in Patrick Peterson. Yeah, it feels like if, if Joey Porter Jr. is starting early, it's because he earned it, right? And... I think there's a good chance of him doing so. Obviously, yeah, he's got the, the penalties to clean up, and he's 
you know, not this, um, you know, big time athlete or anything, but just the sheer size of, of Joey Porter Jr. The sheer airspace that he takes up is so impressive. And, um, yeah, th- what is it? 34 and like a, a quarter inch arms. basically. Yeah. And like, again, very, he felt boomer busty to, I think both of us. Um, but like he was 23rd on my board. So getting him with a second round pick yeah. is a really, really, really good pick. And then of course, just, you got to take the bloodlines. And, and he's wearing 24 for Ike Taylor. I love that. Gotta love it. Um, and then at 49, they get my favorite player in the whole draft, who I had been mocking to them at 49. They listened. Wisconsin defensive lineman Keanu Benton, who fills another need for them that maybe isn't as obvious um, because they've got wily old vets down on that defensive line in, yeah. in, in, in Cam Hayward, um, in Larry Ogunjobi. They drafted Marvin Leal last year. But Benton's versatility, where he played this true nose tackle role at Wisconsin, but he's like more of a natural three tech. Get like it's so exciting. It kind of reminds me of when they took Javon Hargrave to play nose tackle for them. Um, where it was like it's not necessarily the the best fit for him because he could be this stub pass rusher if you need him to be. But he can he can do this too because he's such a strong player at the point of attack has such heavy hands really um kind of rugged football player i love it yeah obviously you you were the number one benton fan i wasn't as high but i i really like the fit with the steelers and do, do you think they're gonna kind of like um let them be a more versatile piece or like just i i think so like right now on paper montrevious adams the starting nose tackle yeah so i think like keanu benton's probably gonna take that over <laughs> yeah. at some point uh, so I think like you'll see, I see. I think you'll see a bit of like three man fronts: Hayward, Benton, Ogan, Joby. Then four man fronts: uh, a little bit more Hayward and Benton. Um, but also like Demarvin Leal had his flashes last year. Mm-hmm. He's uh, more of like Ogan Joby depth. I, yeah. I just think like having that depth to keep these guys fresh is so important, especially as like Cam Hayward is th- going to be. He just turned thirty four. Like yeah. Still Can playing I, great, but yeah, but like exactly, just keep them fresh. Yeah, and I think like in the context of like the lack of depth at this position in this class, and that you know like a lot of them went, you know, like Pickens went with the first pick of the the third round too, right? Where like so that was kind of the end of the the high end group, right? And then Byron Young gets, in our opinion, my opinion at least, overdrafted at seventy. Like I, I feel like that's a sound pick at, at forty nine, mm-hmm. and like I said, great fit. I think a higher floor guy, too, in, yeah. in a bit of a boomer busty interior defensive player. Yeah, like Dexter was the next one picked, and he yeah, that's boomer busty, right? And then at 93, they stop the Darnell Washington slide. They take the Georgia tight end. Um, and so we, we've talked about this on the show before, too, was the Steelers, one of their positions of need was a third pass catcher, um, a guy to kind of play in the slot that didn't really work out with Chase Claypool last year. They traded him to use that pick on Joey Porter Jr. So I think the ultimate plan will be to see more two tight end sets this year, more 12 personnel, and to see more Pat Fryermuth playing as like a jumbo slot with Darnell Washington, probably initially Zach Gentry as the inline Y, Mm -hmm. but eventually Darnell Washington there. Um, 
and that will kind of remedy that. I know they trade for Allen Robinson. I don't have like super high hopes for that. Uh, and Calvin Austin's like pencil in as their slot receiver who I loved him coming out of Memphis, but obviously he's coming off a, a injury as a rookie. Um, so I think we should see Darnell Washington a decent amount. Like just that sheer size and blocking potential is so exciting as they kind of, again, transition to hopefully more of this run first offense. Um, and he also adds this, these fantastic contested catch skills and like ridiculous yak ability for a man of his size. Yeah. I, I really, really hope we see a lot of turnout. I obviously it doesn't have to be early, but I hope this isn't just a, you know, a spot where he lands and doesn't get to play, but I don't, th- I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be. And then they, they get a de facto offensive tackle at, at 93 and, Hell, he might have been the best offensive tackle remaining on the board, right? Like, like if you just want to put him like that. Um, yeah, I'm I really um, – that's obviously a great pick. He slid because of the injuries, but at 93, he, he clearly should have been picked a and, lot earlier. And I think if this can get Pat Fryermuth involved more as yeah. a true pass catcher, it's good too because, like, him, Pickett, and Fryermuth clearly have a, a strong connection. Dare I say a Big Ben Heath Miller connection. Um, and, and like having Darnell Washington as that true, like dirty work tight end would just open things up a little bit more for him. Yeah. And, but also like a guy that can get vertical a bit, you know, and where, where Fryman is always a bit better where like just over the middle, like into the sticks so far in his career. Chain right? mover. Exactly. Yeah. So if this clicks, I think they could be a hell of a, hell of a duo. Um, and then in the fourth round with there was a, a bloodline and not just a bloodline, but a brother <laughs> on the board. Mike Tomlin is obligated to make sure that happens. So they signed Nate Herbig, Herbig the guard, this offseason. And so they had to draft his brother Nick in the fourth round at 132, another Wisconsin player. Yeah. Um, who's a tweener that, like, he's built like an off ball linebacker. He played edge at Wisconsin, was super productive there. Super young guy, too. He won't turn 22 until November. Um, really, like, re- like, shockingly refined pass rusher despite the lack of size like very deep pass rush repertoire it's just kind of figuring out where he's gonna play yeah and it, it looks like he's going to be an edge for pittsburgh interesting um and then at that point you know you're getting a guy that's only gonna be fairly situational but at 132 like i feel like i had him a little bit earlier than this you think you had him a decent amount and and they desperately needed a third edge rusher yeah Feels just like, because with, with like TJ Watt do. getting banged up last year. Yeah. And like Alex Highsmith had his breakup, but they don't have him under contract yet. Like, well, they do for this year, but like they haven't extended yeah. him yet. Yeah. Um, so having Herbig's just some good insurance there. And it's also nice, like, off ball linebacker is a bit of a need too. I know they signed to Landon Roberts and um, Cole Holcomb, but it just feels like the stopgap is all it's ever been. I, off-ball linebacker for them since the Shazier injury. Uh, so maybe Herbig's a guy they they do see transitioning there. But for now, I do believe he'll be playing edge. Yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how like he actually um, how they actually deploy him and utilize him. Um, pretty good landing spot for him, too, I think. I think there's a yeah, chance agree. He, he hits here. Because there's a lot of teams that I think would have taken him and kind of pigeonholed him a bit or you know forced him to learn off well and just wouldn't have worked but i think that's a good spot and again like right about where i had him good pick 
Uh, and then two seventh-round picks, starting with Purdue corner Corey yeah. Trice. And it felt like every time Pittsburgh would pick, it'd be the, they were taking like the highest player on the consensus big board, and everyone on draft Twitter would be like, oh, my God, slam dunk pick. And no, no pick said that more than this one, where everyone loved Corey Trice. He obviously fell because of injury concerns because mm-hmm. the tape is good. He's a 6'3 corner with ridiculous athleticism. Um, just such a smothering press man corner. And to get him at 241, like, at that point, even if he doesn't stick or the injuries um, kind of stop his development, like, 241, it's worth the, the hope of oh, yeah. it working out completely. And, oh, man, I love this one. I'm so happy they got him. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. That's a fed- like, clearly, this is a top 100 player on tape. Like, that's that's for damn sure. And, like, with the... The size and he's a hell of a player, and it just it sucks that it's the injuries that slipped him down the board. But this is a spot where he could, you know, if he can, if the if the health checks out, he could actually become something. I think, right? Like, there's opportunity in this corner group in Pittsburgh. I just love that they took the like the two biggest corners and Joey Porter and Corey Trice, and like Tri- Trice, um, a guy who is like shockingly nimble feet for a six three mm-hmm. corner, really physical and patient in his press. Um, and, and you see the athleticism to carry vertically on tape. And I I just like that they needed to add size, and they did it. Uh, even if Trice ends up being like corner five, him, he's a fun, worthwhile depth player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then finally at 251, they take Spencer Anderson from Maryland. Um, who had a decent week at the East West Shrine Bowl, a guy who, who – uh, has both he's predominantly played guard, but he he worked at tackle a bit during East West Shrine Bowl. Um, has good good combo of length and athleticism. They need more depth on the inside, I think. Uh, Andy Waddle's a big offensive line guy, so love that. I, I think a big thing with Pittsburgh has been like an offensive lineman goes down, and like their starting offensive line hasn't been very good. Yeah. So what one of their okay starters goes down and. It's like if you have one bad offensive lineman, yeah. it derails the whole thing. So now it's like they're too deep just looks a lot better. And they've got, um, like, think about it. Kendrick Green started his entire rookie season and was horrible. <laughs> he didn't play last year. He's, he's like, their fourth string guard now. Like, Kevin Dotson, who's just been super inconsistent, really high highs, really low lows, started a lot the last two, three years. Like he's that's a great interior backup guy to have. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 nice to kind of see it all come together. Or or like Nate signing Nate Herbig just to be your swing interior guy, a guy who's twenty eight starts. Uh, assuming you're starting Big Isaac, Mason Cole, and James Daniels. Like this offensive line, they've really rebuilt it the last two off seasons. Yeah, and then obviously like you know if if when Broderick Jones steals the job for Dan Moore, that's a really good third tackle, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, they look a lot better. And I think that's where you need, you know, the, this offensive line has really been, uh, like you said, shambolic, where, like, they one piece goes down and it crumbles. And if you're going to build a contender, or a winner at least, around Kenny Pickett, you need to you need to have all the other pieces in place. And I think that starts up front. Like you said, if they want to build a, a more run-heavy team, and or run-first team at least. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think this is a great start to the regime in, in Pittsburgh. I ended up giving them an A plus. I know you did. I'm I can't. I'm gonna give them just a flat A. Wow. Give them the same as the Browns? Yeah, the same as the Browns. Damn. I think there's halls a lot better, but 
a lot better or you give them a plus good work yeah biased plus, plus. <laughs> okay then i'll give them an a plus then um next next show nfc north we can finally talk about the detroit lions weird draft actually being kind of cool and good maybe and sean clifford 